0: Hi, my name is Kayla Drescher and I'm on the chopping block at visceralchange.org. Listen what we do. I don't have anything to say. No, really, I'm nervous, yeah. It's an easy listening station.
1: I'm there right now. Why? <laughs> You're listening to the chopping block.
0: You're listening to the chopping
1: block. You're listening to the chopping block. One the Visceral Change Podcast. We are here with the one, the only, the myth, the legend. Kayla Dresher, Kayla, how te- are you doing?
0: <laughs> I'm fine. I'm a terrible myth and legend. Thank you for that.
1: <laughs> you are very much our reality. So, so let's cement that from the very beginning, I guess. Sounds great. Uh, Kayla, you are a magician and founder of Magic and Heels.
0: Founder of Magic and Heels, which is uh, I am both the founder and uh, the product
1: and the product and yeah and you're also the host of She's Am podcast is yeah. that correct Shezam specifically
0: sure. you got
1: okay. it <laughs> lovely <laughs> um I'm, I'm really excited to to talk of this through with you because um you know i think there are one thing we try to accomplish on the chopping block is pull out diversity and inclusion from areas and arenas that people may not be paying attention to in terms of the ways in which it's situated. So when we think of magic in the world of magic, we may not think right away of diversity and inclusion. And I know you've done a good deal to kind of highlight some of this. And so I want to explore some of that today. But uh, I've seen some of your other interviews and they're fantastic. Uh, so the one thing I did not want to do was be redundant in my questioning. And therefore, I, I didn't want you to have to feel redundant in your responses. Uh, so I know you began magic at the age of seven, for example. Um, So instead, Kayla, um, uh, take us back instead, not to when you first began magic, but to your earliest memory of magic. And uh, what was it about that moment that really captured you? Uh, And tell us what keeps you interested.
0: So yeah, I started, uh, the first magician I remember seeing was when I was seven years old, and he had cut a piece of rope in half and then put it back together. And at that time, I was already really obsessed with kind of two things, performing and also logic and science and understanding how the world worked. And I I was exploring in the mud all the time, just figuring out what the world had to offer. So uh, for me, magic just sort of took both of those parts of my brain and satisfied them equally. So I was able to perform and make people laugh and uh, be entertained, but also understand that there are things most people don't quite get is happening and magic is allowing me to know this knowledge that most people don't understand and Mm -hmm. explore that more and say like, how does, you know, how, how do we defy gravity? How do we defy science and logic and the rules of, how the earth works and how everything works and then make it look like we're defying that and really we're just using the science to our advantage. So yeah, that's kind of what all clicked in my brain.
1: Now, uh, are there elements of the the art, the work that magicians just will not give away regardless?
0: Yeah, there's a lot. I mean, magic is based off of secrets, Mm -hmm. which is probably why most people don't see magicians very much or know magi- like know too much magic is because magic is based off of secrets and a lot of magicians will hold all secrets really close and say nope you can't know it ever but magic is also a mentorship oh. kind of community so in order to do magic you have to learn from people who have done it before and by the mistakes they've made by the successes they've had by reading their books and watching their videos and then mm. having somebody yell at you for doing something wrong on stage so you have to learn from magicians who have come before you and in order for magicians to share those secrets you have to either pay a lot of money Mm. or which i take full advantage of uh, or or show that you really have a dedication to making magic look good Uh, so magicians really want magic to be good and respected And therefore, if you show that you are willing to participate in that theory and that ideology, then you're, you're in.
1: Of course, that would make sense to me. You know, uh, if I can vouch for you, you know, then I'm willing to, to invest in you in a certain way. Do you think that, um, do you think that it's more beneficial or what's the cost benefit? Let's, let's change the question to that cost benefit of revealing secrets in magic in terms of keeping an audience entertained. I feel like a piece of that, that value, um, which I think about wrestling pro wrestling as well is the the image that it's real, right? Uh, The fact that this is completely real, hundred percent everything in that piece. And when you begin to, to market pro wrestling as a business, that might change somebody's orientation to it. Um, in terms of magic, is there a similar feeling? What's the cost benefit there?
0: Well, I, so I have a very different perspective on this question than I think a lot of magicians do. Most magicians will say, and I work with a lot of these magicians in uh, teaching classes and things where they say, no, students shouldn't be allowed to have to know anything. They have to really work for it. Yeah. And in my head, I go, well, why not show people how hard magic is by teaching them some of that? And therefore, then, then they have the respect when they see other magicians perform. Uh, I kind of have a very similar theory to this than the masked magician who was on in the 90s where he would reveal magic on television and Mm -hmm. the things he was revealing and he finally unmasked himself and said this and it really oddly stuck with me uh, Mm -hmm. because most magicians really hate the guy uh, for revealing all these secrets but he had a really good point which was he's revealing the secrets of magic that has been overdone for hundreds of years Uh, probably shouldn't be performed as is, if you are a professional, Mm -hmm. and wants to encourage people to say, okay, how do I make this better? How do I make this so that, okay, people know the secrets to this standard basic effect? How do I make this better and make magic better? And I, that's really stuck with me is the idea of, if we share a little bit, people respect it more. Mm -hmm. so that's where i come from when i'm teaching Uh, i'm not gonna explain to people how david copperfield vanished the statue of liberty uh that stuff can stay within of course magic world uh there are stuff that i do that is mine and i i want to hold that near and dear as well like sometimes i don't even tell magicians how i do some stuff because i want to keep that so uh just depends on uh what you what you've done and what you've created, and I've created a, a couple of things that are specifically mine, and no one else does. So I want to keep that, but I think that it's better to share a little bit so sure. that people respect it more.
1: Sure, and I think it also, you know, I know we think about the world of academia and, and other areas of, of professionalism, and also as in its credibility to the actual work when, um, <clears throat> when it's it's broadcast in a certain light. And also sometimes the greatest compliment is being able to take somebody's trick or work that has inspired you and expand on it. So um, that opportunity comes only when it's shared. So let's continue talking a little bit about the journey, Kayla. Um, you know, I talked about wrestling for a quick second. You know, it also reminds me of comic books, right? So magic to me, right, from my perspective, like pro wrestling, like comic books, uh, is one of these things that tends to have in what some might see as an unfair association with childlike interests, right? Um, I have to imagine that there have been moments in your journey where uh, you were uh, met with some challenge based on your interest in magic and and magic by itself. Um, How did you manage to stay focused in this world and on your journey to magic where I'd imagine, again, people have told you to grow out of this particular time and place?
0: Yeah, I, so I haven't experienced uh, necessarily the idea of I can only do magic w- as a kid, uh, mm-hmm. which I'm very lucky. Uh, right. I think I think also most people don't understand that you could do magic as a full time profession. It just doesn't seem like a logical choice. Right. Uh, it's also you know it's just one of those things that you go wait, you're a magician like you mm-hmm. do card tricks for money. I'm confused. <laughs> uh, so then you have to explain a little bit more, uh, which is great. I haven't been met with that. I've been met more with, um, the idea that, oh, like a woman can't do magic.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And that's been more of a struggle is that within the magic community, uh, I get, I was told that a lot growing up, not so much anymore, but a lot. Uh, and so for me, and I kind of explained this, uh, in our, my podcast where I call it the brick theory. And the, this can really relate to a lot of things, which is if you get told you can't do magic because of who you are, or you can't do something because of just who you are, then a layer of brick or two or three gets laid. And for a while you can hop over that wall. And eventually the wall gets really big and maybe someone can help you up the wall or you can jump or there's a way that you can climb over it, but eventually you just get too tired and you Mm -hmm. quit. Mm -hmm. And I see that happen with a lot of people, uh, specifically women within magic. And for me, I think, there was just something weird about me from a young age where I just always had a sledgehammer in my hands <laughs> and was just like, "Oh, layer of brick laid, boom, Ooh. moving along uh and sometimes there were walls that I just didn't want to hop over, so I diverted and down a different path and oh. just ignored that wall. but uh, I think it, i i had, didn't really have a lot of support outside of my magic mentor and my parents, sure. so uh it was really very internal where I was just like this is what I want so no one's going to stop me and I was really lucky to just sort of have that mindset and grow up in a with parents that supported that and we were like yeah if you want to do it do it ignore what everybody else is saying
1: that's huge yeah and that is that's critical that support that foundational piece that not only you know validates you in your journey but lets you know that you can do it um and you know, if you're in a marginalized identity, as you're sort of asserting, um, you can do it even with these barriers that may be placed upon you. So let's, let's expand on that just a little bit. I want to read you this, this February statistic um, <clears throat> from WNYC, New York Public Radio, uh, that I'm very sure you are very familiar with. Um, and it says that the Society of American Magicians is the oldest magic organization in the world. However, only 7.5% of this active membership are women. Uh, or another way of looking at that is 300 of 4,000. <laughs> yeah. So Kayla, what, is, what does this statistic tell us about the state of women in magic and what needs to change?
0: Well, uh, that statistic is actually, I think a little bit better than most. Oh, wow. That's a really specific organization. And I grew up in the Society of American Magicians and was okay. really lucky to sort of grow up Having seven and a half percent of the membership be women because I saw them, which was (laughs) awesome. Uh, And you know, when I was fifteen years old, I finally saw my first solo woman performing magic, and it was at a Society of American Magicians convention. So I was really lucky, and the so that that's good. (laughs) And my my magic mentor also was really good about trying to expose me to women doing magic. And that was also part of that organization. Uh, there was a cultural anthology study. Uh, I have to look up the exact reference for you, but because uh, it's been about a year since I really looked at the study. Sure. Uh, they estimated that out of professional magicians, two to 5% of them were women. So wow. that I think is a little bit more of an accurate uh, statistic because anybody can call themselves a magician if they just know the trick where you lay out three rows of seven three times, and then find their card. So then you could say, I'm a magician, done, Um, and join a magic club. Uh, I think the professional statistic is a little bit more accurate. Um, What that says specifically is that there's a reason why that number is so low, and we need to understand more of what that reason is. The and I don't think there's one answer. A lot of people have tried to come up with one answer, including myself. I think it w- if there was just one single answer, it would be really, really easy to fix. Uh, and there's, there's not. Um, the overarching understanding here is magic is written for men by men. So sure. If you create a trick, you create it for yourself, you create it for your body, for your costume, for your hands, for how you move on stage, what you say, you create it for you. And most magicians are men. So when you write it down in a book or teach it on a DVD that magicians can buy and uh, learn the trick and perform themselves, you then have the issue of going, well, I don't have a big jacket. I don't have oversized pants pockets. I don't have blah, 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 blah. Insert all of the things that are very specific to a masculine male, Mm. which means that also alienates anybody who doesn't want to be that masculine. Mm-hmm. Uh, it does, there are women who perform magic professionally who go more of the that masculine route. They will wear a, a pants suit, etc. So they can kind of get away with that. But uh, a lot of women don't want to do that. Uh, many men also don't want to do that. Uh, many no, uh, non-binary magicians also don't want to go that route. So you end up having this question of, well, how does someone who doesn't want to do that Do magic, and that's the brick idea. Is that every time you read a trick or learn a trick from someone, you realize that you don't have the tools to do this, Mm -hmm. so you quit. Uh, And that's that's what I think is happening. Is I think magic is so much it's created by men for men, Mm -hmm. so it's really difficult unless you are that masculine male. It's really difficult to figure out how to do magic on your own. I went that I really went that route. I went the very masculine route because all the women I was seeing do magic were super, super sexy and Mm -hmm. uh, you know me, that's not me. So (laughs) I was like, Oh, I'm going to go the super masculine route. There's no in between. So I'm going to go like pantsuit and all of that and realized, Oh, that's also not me. This is Mm -hmm. bad. And I had to find this like very Kayla medium that would also still work with things. And so it took me a while to figure out costume and personality and how do I look and how do I brand myself and all of that where it's not super feminine, not super masculine, it's here, but I can still work within magic. Uh, Look, and then I found people and tools that would say, I wanna do this trick that is created for this type of person, but I wanna do it here. Mm -hmm. And you have those tools to, to help help me. And then people would. So uh, that's very helpful is that there are people who have those tools. And so you learn from each other. Um, I think the main, (laughs) a lot of things in magic need to change. Uh, One of them is the mindset that women can't do magic, which is still a thing that I, my little girls, my 10 year old girls who I'm teaching magic, I love them. They're so good. They hear it. They hear it all the time. Uh, or someone will say, you know, just very specifically like, oh, I'm going to con- to a magic gathering. I can't wait to see all the boys. I'm like, well, what happened to everybody that's not that?
1: It's deeper so, than that, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So there's a lot of language that needs to change. Um, but also within magic, there's just so much deep-rooted uh, issues with uh, being very misogynistic. Um, There's also like a really terrible history of cultural appropriation, racism, xenophobia, homophobia. So magic is sort of rooted in (laughs) this history that is not good. If I open up, I'm literally looking at magic books right now and I'm seeing about 10 of them that if I flip to any given page, uh, there will be something that is any of those uh, issues.
1: I mean, I. I'm also very attuned to my kinfolk, you know, and skin folk, and and other folks of color, but in particular, black people. And you know, it is the the minoritized number, right? the finite amount of folks in a particular field, region, area, that drives me to be intentional with what I do. So I, I'm right there with you. You know, I think about when I moved to Arizona, one of my <clears throat> one of my Underlying factors for doing so was because there were only about 4.5 at the time percent black folks in the state, you know, five percent in the city where I was moving to with Tucson, um, and so I just thought about all my ancestors who uh, saw those numbers ahead of them and had could have made that decision not to go, but decided to break the barriers. And I have a duty of care to to people behind me to say, hey, not only is there a space here for me, but I can also maybe be in a particular position of some sort. Um, down the road. So, so that's what drives me to keep working. And, you know, if accolades come great, but the picture is always a little bit bigger and that intentionality goes a long way, Kayla, for sure. Uh, so let's talk about this podcast. She's in, yeah. uh, it's a super critical podcast or at least at times it gets super critical. Uh, I've seen BLM on there. I've seen of uh, sense of smash the patriarchy, you know, uh, and uh, it's really, as you call it, sort of um, a full resource for the magic community to empower women uh, to empower themselves. Uh, tell us about Shazam, you know, why the podcast is so important to the world of magic as a whole, in your opinion.
0: So Shazam started uh, where I had had, I just had enough of how I was treated within magic and how other women were treated within magic and I just, I had called my friend, Carissa, and said, hey, we need to do something, and I want to have a a, a mini-series podcast, like, 10 episodes at max, where we just talk about all the issues that face women within the magic community, Mm -hmm. and then we started working on it. Uh, Carissa was also, she was really, really great because she came from, although she came from the female perspective, she also came from the queer perspective. uh, And so she added an element that I could not. And uh, we had great conversations about everything and realized that this was not going to be 10 episodes. This is going to be a thing. And we worked for about six months on it, recorded a bunch. And then one day we just decided, hey, you want to release it next week? And we did. Uh, And now it's been two years. Uh, and the the conversations within magic we've seen have changed, and we see it because people contact us and say, "Hey, I saw this thing, and I decided to say something." Mm. And that that's what was different is that all of a sudden people are were deciding to say, "Hey, I don't like what I just saw." Um, and for example, a magician who on, from on stage with a microphone. Might make fun of a woman in the audience mm-hmm. for whatever reason, and then mm-hmm. after the show, this per you know—somebody who's listening to the podcast might approach them and say, "Hey, I just wanted to let you know that that really made me uncomfortable. I know that the, it made the woman uncomfortable, uh, and I'm just speaking up because she might not want to. Mm-hmm. Uh, trying to be like a good ally. So what oh. we noticed was that conversation was changing, and yeah, we do get—we got—we get super critical. Yeah. Um, And sometimes uh, I've learned throughout the course of it to maybe not be so critical and to Mm -hmm. listen more. So that's been something that I've learned and I'm I'm working on, uh, which is good because throughout it is like we said in the very first episode, we don't know an iota of the knowledge that is necessary, but somebody needs to start having these conversations. Mm -hmm. So we've talked uh, the spectrum of props you know kind of what we talked about props and costume to sexual assaults because that's a really rampant issue within the magic community to uh how do you teach young girls uh to what happens if you see something at a convention and then highlighting women within the magic community who really haven't been highlighted before but are doing really really amazing things or have done really really amazing things um so it's been it's been really important. It continues to be really important. Uh, the tagline we had come up with is "one day we hope to become obsolete," which I'm really just hoping is soon, mm.
1: uh,
0: but mm-hmm. it's not going to be. Um, mm-hmm. And also, up until this time, so we've been going for two years. Um, so uh, Carissa isn't a part of the podcast anymore, unfortunately. But um, moving the podcast forward is up until now we've only been able to talk about our perspective as white women. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Carissa had brought in the, the perspective of uh, being queer. So we had a lot of conversations about that and how that uh, works within the MAGIC community. But moving forward is, okay, so we we talked a lot about women. I'm still looking for women of color who want to share their perspectives. And that's my main goal coming up is to Mm. get not just white women. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because that's been, it's been mainly white women and Asian American women who we've had Mm. on. Um, And so I want to make sure that we're really branching out uh, because I've learned a lot, uh, especially since the um, murder of George Floyd Mm -hmm. and realized where my Um, what I find, like the social justice that I've tried to enact has come from only my perspective uh, and the perspective of what I've experienced. But now it's time to feature more than just that. So my goal with the upcoming season and two seasons is to really expand that outreach.
1: That's exciting, Kayla. And it is a very powerful podcast that covers some very heavy topics. Um, I actually was going to ask you, about some of the prevailing social justice issues and you, you touched on some of them. So you have, you're welcome to expand. But the question I want to shift to actually is, you know, is magic, the world of magic, is that, is that a space or the space for, for critical dialogue around social justice? Um, I, I have to imagine some people like, you know what, just like folks say sports isn't the place to have this discussion. I have to imagine magic might get some of that. Is this the space for this and how is it received?
0: So you mentioned that we had a a, a Black Lives Matter segment. It it was just a couple of minutes because we took the week off in solidarity with the movement, but I wanted to release a statement coming from my perspective because of what I had witnessed within the magic community Mm -hmm. as protests were happening. And what I witnessed is magicians were either showing their support and allyship or saying, f all of this all lives matter Mm. why are we having this discussion within magic let's do card tricks and i was like well what about so specifically if i just speak on uh issues of race within magic Mm. is that the first american magician sensation was black and was it was not houdini uh and nobody talks about him Mm. uh and there's that's just riddled within magic history just this idea of, well, what happened to all of these people? Another example um, coming from the gender perspective is the first two magicians on television were women. Nobody talks about them, uh, nobody knows had about an, them. I no
1: idea, yeah. Right, and, but
0: you, you, you shouldn't, uh, but mm-hmm. magicians should, and they don't, uh, because they paved the way for all these big television shows. They had TV shows for years, for like two, three years, mm. uh, and nobody talks about them, so, uh, There's significant issues of cultural appropriation. There was a magician named Chung Ling Su, uh, who was actually a white guy who just dressed up as uh, an Asian performer and called himself Chung Ling Su. And that was not the only one. Uh, There are tricks published, uh, and this this is the one that gets me the most, but there are tricks published that we still use today and title them. There's one trick called Chink-a-Chink, that wow. is taught in classes as chink. It's and so as soon as I saw that in the curriculum of the class that I teach, I literally went, "You're going to look for this trick in your book, and it will be called this, and we will not refer to it as that. We will refer to it as this." And I started noticing. So one thing that we're gonna do coming up in the podcast is I want to have segments uh, about renaming tricks. There's a mm-hmm. shuffle. There's a shuffle of cards called the Hindu shuffle. Why?
1: Mm, I've heard of that. Um, Actually, yep. for some yeah,
0: yeah, uh, it's a it's a pretty common mm-hmm. shuffle for people who uh, are learning some magic to mm-hmm. use. Um, it's like this overhand weird shuffle like this. Mm-hmm. Uh, but their magic is just riddled with that stuff, and it's almost oh. like no one's questioned it. Or if they question it, there isn't anybody else around them questioning it, so they stop questioning it. Uh, and through, you know. The murder of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and countless others are terrible. But what I've seen, at least within magic, come out of it is that many more people are willing to share their personal stories, have conversations, and ask how we can be better. Uh, And so, yes, there is certainly a group of magicians, uh, a substantial group of magicians saying this is not the place for this conversation. Go have your social justice somewhere else. And we're just going to focus on magic. But Mm -hmm. what they don't understand is within their acts, they are alienating half of their audience because they're saying something. Insert phobia here.
1: Mm -hmm. Uh,
0: And there are a lot of like, there's a really common stock line in magic that they say, what's your name? So it'll be a guy magician and they'll ask the woman, what's her name? And then they'll say, oh, that was my name when I was a little girl. And it's just this very transphobic line that only recent, recently that was brought to my attention. A friend of mine said, hey, do you think this is transphobic? And we reached out to some transgendered friends and they said, yeah, we don't really like that line. Interesting. So was like, Oh my goodness. Right. But nobody's talked about this no. up until now. So what what's great is that the podcast started and opened up a really specific conversation, um, and definitely started changing the community. Uh, and then everything is in the last month has totally shifted to where now I feel like with, with the podcast platform, we can really help push that conversation forward and go magicians who think that magic isn't a place for this. You're wrong because magic is meant to be an activity for the people who don't understand being in a social environment like where yes. magicians are socially inept people we don't understand how to talk <laughs> to other human beings so uh, or we get uncomfortable in big crowds whatever it is. So, so magic is a fun thing because we get to tinker on our own and we get to relate to other people because we're tinkering with other people and it's fun and it's great but then you realize that you can only tinker if you are this person right everybody else has to go tinker over there. <laughs> and yeah. you that's so annoying because magic yeah. is supposed to be this inclusive thing for people who just love it. So why are we making sure that there are these subsets of magic that aren't allowed on the big stage? Yeah. Um, yeah.
1: So huh.
0: yeah, I think a lot of people are really against having conversations like this, mm-hmm. but uh, there's a lot about magic that just is, I I like to say that the mindset of most magicians is stuck in 1956, Sure. it won't ever get better. (laughs) But it will, because more and more people are talking. And, uh, you know, I say the same thing to people who say, well, why is, why are we talking about social justice within sports? And it's because you're watching. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have to talk about it because you're watching, mm-hmm. uh, and that's how we get it across. So that's if right. you're watching, a, if you're watching magic, uh, then we need to we need to do something. If you're a magician, you're paying attention. We need to talk about it. Yep.
1: Yeah. 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 That's 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 profound. You know, the my philosophy and the philosophy of visceral change as a whole is that you know we believe that social justice intersects with all that we do, um, if nothing else, because if you're benefiting, somebody else is not. I mean, period. And, and, and really anything in life that we can we can discuss in terms of privileges and advantages. And that's why it has to matter because it's at the expense of who. Uh, and so uh, the fact that you are acknowledging that magic is a space for this, right, goes a long way for those people who want to become a magician and enter this world in one way or the other, but feel like they don't see themselves and there's no effort to make sure that they are seen your podcast and the discussions you cover are going to go a long way in creating space for that. As we wrap up, Kayla, uh, uh, if you could send one message back in time to young Kayla, young Kayla Dresser, you know, the aspiring magician, you know, uh, about preparing for the challenges ahead, what would that message be? Hmm. It's tough because I actually don't
0: think anything went wrong. Uh-huh. Uh, I think every decision I made led to now. Sure. So, I I think just the the whole keep going idea of just saying, just imagine. <laughs> Taking someone who treats you like crap and punching them in the face, don't do it, just imagine it because then you can walk away. Um, I think, oh, you know, I do have something um, I will, now that I'm thinking about it uh, I think I would have I, I would have liked to have spoken out earlier about things I was seeing within magic. Uh, mm-hmm along all the things that we've talked about. Um, I wish that I, you know, uh, I share on the podcast that I've had countless situations of sexual assault within the mm-hmm. magic community and haven't said anything up until mm-hmm. the last year. Um, and I and I very much wish I did, because then it would have prevented it from happening to somebody else, sure. uh, maybe, or uh, helped myself deal with those situations. Um, but also I just wish I was willing to kind of like tattletale on people Mm -hmm. and say, Hey, this person did this thing. I'm going to make a stink about it until something gets done. Uh, And I just wasn't that person until three years ago. So, uh, I, when I finally boiled over, um, so I think the thing I would probably send back is, uh, just don't be afraid of the repercussions and actually do something about something that you see and don't feel is right because I think it was just really easy to internalize it and move along. Um, and so, yeah, that would probably be the big thing.
1: Well, sorry, of course, that experience happened to you. But, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to hear, and I know the listeners are happy to hear, that you were able to come to a space with support, I'm sure, to, to take control of that moment back and, and, uh, and make sure that, or try your best to make sure that this doesn't happen to any of the women again and magic, so that's that's huge.
0: Yeah, we say uh, a lot that you can't change, this is not my phrase, somebody else said it. Uh, Mm -hmm. You can't change the wolves, but you can change the community of sheep around them to not Mm -hmm. let each other get eaten. And that I think is what has changed recently is that although the wolves still exist and they always will, Mm -hmm. that people are much more ready to say, that's not going to happen today. And that, that I think is really awesome.
1: Yeah, yeah, and, and that is where we wanna be as a culture across the board. Um, we wanna have clear lines on these and to the point where these discussions, like you beautifully articulated earlier, become obsolete, not for the fact that we don't feel that they're important, but because they're now ingrained in what we do in our everyday lives. Kayla, this has been amazing. I was so excited to get to chat with you. Before we go, why don't you tell people where they can get in touch with you if you have any shows coming up, um, uh, podcast dates, publications, anything. How can folks get in touch with you?
0: Yeah. So uh, my website is magicandheals.com. So on there, you can go to the contact thing and uh, contact me there. But also all the social medias are Magic and Heals, uh except Twitter, because it's magicandheals underscore KD, because some 13-year-old has magicandheels and I'm still mad <laughs> about it. Um, but fine. Uh, the... And then the podcast is Shezam, so it's S-H-E-Z-A-M, pod.com. Same thing with all the social medias is Shezam pod. Uh, I'm recording now and hoping to get season three out uh, in October. Mm. Uh, As as far as upcoming shows, nope, because we're in a pandemic. Uh, But I am teaching a lot of magic, and if you're interested in finding out more about that, uh, both kids classes and adults. We have a really fun workshop uh, with my partner, Harrison, and we're doing couples magic. So it's like a date night thing once a month. So people can join and learn different tricks each month as like a fun date oh, night. Great. after the. <laughs> yeah, it's really fun. We brand it as like after the kids go to sleep, come ah. join us for a glass of wine and some magic tricks. Uh, so we're doing that. So that's mainly the thing. And you can find out all about that on magicinheels.com.
1: That's exciting. The wife and I might have to join that one night. So I have to I love that. keep you posted. That'd
0: be so fun.
1: <laughs> this is great, Kayla, so much. Thank you for, for joining us, Sherrod Robbins, Kayla Drescher, and this is the chopping block at visceralchange.org.